get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Welcome, welcome everybody. TSN Hockey Analytics on the air. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, the TSN1050.ca show page if you miss any of it. And of course, we tweet out the links as well. Nice show for you today. Travis Yost from TSN.ca. Tease things off in just a moment. Then, friend of show, Gus Katsaros, McKean's Hockey Director of Analytics and Pro Scouting. About 15 minutes time. Then a dip into our NHL fantasy pool here. James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. And to polish it all off, Scott Cullen with Heroes and Zeros from TSN. But as he usually does, not always, but usually, Travis Yost to start off the show. Travis, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Andy? Good. You feel you feel nice being back in your leadoff spot? I, it, it, so <laughs> I'm not a power hitter. That was, that was one time. That's like when you, that's like that random game in July when you bench all your starters. And yeah. You're like, okay, this second baseman's going to hit through this three hole. That's, that's not <laughs> ideal for me. You're a spray hitter, a speed guy, right? I like <laughs> Correct. it. Correct. <laughs> all right, Travis. Well. On TSN.ca, one of your pieces was a diving into what makes Travis Dermott an effective defenseman for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he's been great on the offensive side of the puck. And as you mentioned in the article, he's had to adapt to playing with a bunch of different defensive partners, which isn't the easiest thing to do. And you end the piece by wondering if Dermott can chew into the minutes of other guys like Ron Hainsey. But my question is, come playoff time, if Dermott's play continues the way it's been going positively, do you think he can whittle away at the stubborn Mike Babcock and earn playoff time when it comes to, hey, we know Babcock likes to play his vets? I, that's, a, that's a fantastic question because Mike Babcock is an extremely sensible guy, but I, I also would say he's a little bit stubborn from time to time. I think he would be the first one to say that, too. Right. Uh, it, the, here's the reality of Travis Dermott. The league has made this shift towards more of an appetite for these smaller, quicker, we can transition the puck really well, we can distribute the puck well, we can add offense and support our wingers and centers. Like, there's more of an appetite in the league for this type of player. Tory Krug was probably the prototypical example, right? When he came into the league a few years ago, I was like, way too small, way too small. We'll never, we'll never be anything more than a specialist. And he's, he's a fantastic defender for Boston. And, yeah, Travis Dermott isn't as small as Tory Krug is, but – He's not exactly a massive presence in the defensive zone, nor is he a great defensive defender for that matter anyway. I mean, granted, we're only talking about a limited sample here, but he is young and he's been beaten from time to time. But if you look at the 13 games where the Leafs have played this year, they're about four to five percentage points better from a shot or scoring chance analysis with him on the ice versus with him off the ice. And that's an important distinction because, as you mentioned, he's played with pretty much everyone. I mean, he's played with the tough minutes of Roman Pollock. He's played a little bit with their best defender in Jay Gardner. He's, he's played with Connor Carrick. Like, he's had a, pretty much a, a grab bag of paramates, and he's played in pretty much every situation. And Toronto is just is the fact. They are better with him on the ice. I, I think a lot of it is because Toronto's strength is that their forwards are speedy and can transition quick. And you have a guy who can make a great first pass, like Dermot can out of the defensive zone. It, it just comes together very seamlessly. The, the big question that you mentioned is, I, I, it's going to be fascinating to see if Toronto can reconcile, hey, look, we are definitely better with him in the lineup versus 
will we have an appetite for it in the playoffs when we when we usually prefer known quantities, guys like Hainsey and Pollock and, and so on. And I, I just think that these next two months are critical for Dermot. Like, Dermot cannot have a snag in his performance. No. Any, any slip in play, you're going to see him become the first guy that's going to back, back to the press box, and Bad Box is going to say, look, he's a great player, he's, he's a part of our future, but we, we can't play him today in a game six against Tampa Bay or whatever it is. Whereas if he, if he really performs well for three, four months, I think Babcock's going to have a tough time taking him out of the lineup. Yeah, well, and here on before the playoffs, what becomes interesting is at the trade deadline, we've seen yeah, everyone, fans love the splash, right? They love the splash trade. But for the Maple Leafs, I, I feel the conversation kind of going away from, all right, sell the whatever to get a number one pairing guy to maybe do a tweak or two, and maybe you don't have to do that much. Do you think just Travis Dermott alone, and this is a, this is a gamble, of course, because as you said, he, he can't have a drop-off, but is Travis Dermott's presence alone worth the Maple Leafs saying, at least for this year right now at the trade deadline, we can sit tight and not have to make an aggressive top two or three pairing defense move? So I, I don't think it has as much to do with Dermott. The, the thing that I think where you're starting to see this appetite for let's punt and see what we can do this summer or beyond is Tampa Bay maybe the best team in the league in their division, and no team is hotter than Boston. I mean, in, in the reality is if Toronto draws into a series tomorrow with Tampa or Boston, they're going to be pretty substantial underdogs. And I, th- I think Toronto's a very good hockey team. I, I just think you're, you're definitely punching upwards against both of those teams. And, yes, could Toronto beat one of those teams? No doubt about it. They, they could. But beating both in succession, I think, I think that's a pretty tough ask. And they're going to have to beat at least two, you, you would guess, to get out of the East. And I, I just I don't know that you can justify a, a big buy move to support the defense if, if you already know you're punching way up at, at two teams in your own division. That said, if they can go out and acquire a guy who they have today and tomorrow – then, then that trade comes back on the radar. And then that's why this, you can't just look at this sort of stuff in a vacuum. If you can have a guy who's 26, 27, 28, 29, he's got a few years on his contract, or you think you can extend that guy, as maybe he's got a year and a half left and you can put four more years on him, maybe that type of buy makes a lot of sense because you improve today and you improve, you address a need for tomorrow as well. But, yeah, I, I think to your point, like if, if, if they are worried about an extreme overpay, and they're looking around in their division and like, look, reality is we're probably the third best team in our group right now. I, I, I think you might see a situation where they kind of punk until the summer. That's interesting. Yeah, why? And it's not giving up, but I see what you're saying. It's, all right, if, this, if we're in really tough, does this move make us that better well, right now? Or do we have it, more time over the summer to get better? Yeah, and, and Andy, one other thing here. Like, I think Tampa Bay is going to go all in. I, I really do. Hmm. Like, what? Where is the justification for Tampa Bay not to go all in? If you can get one or two marquee players, even just one, and add them to that freaking lineup, like th- there's, there's no other team in that conference, say maybe Pittsburgh, if Pittsburgh starts getting their play together, which they have over the last couple weeks, that can really match up with Tampa Bay. I mean, yeah, you don't want to overpay through the nose for a specific player, but at the same time, how much is a Stanley Cup worth to your organization? Yeah. Uh, a ton. You, you should always go for it if you were in that type of position. And Tampa Bay is. I mean, we just saw the same thing with the Cavaliers in the NBA. Like, they, they just have one guy who's just so good that they were comfortable trading, what, <laughs> six players off their team for another six or so? 
And it, and they're like, look, we still have this guy for half a year. We're going forward again. And I, I just I just think you're going to see Tampa Bay, a team that's pretty disciplined. I think you're going to see them throttle up at the trade deadline for sure. In conversation with Travis Yost from TSN.ca on Twitter at Travis Yost. Okay, let's uh, shift focus for a moment here uh, off the ice. Ottawa Senators announced a three-year contract extension for their general manager this week. Do you think this hurts or helps the future of Eric Carlson in Ottawa? Uh, this is a good question. I, I would say indifferent to the move. Um, I, I think what's not helping is the little section that they buried at the end of that story, which is, oh, and by the way, we again punted our president CEO right after we punted the last one, <laughs> what, less, less than a year ago? Like, there, there's just, there, it, it is bizarre to me how many executives have left that organization in the last year or two, half of which, um, or at least a handful, have ended up suing the, the team. Um, it's, it, it's a very odd situation. And I, I, like, I think Pierre Dorian can be the guy that rebuilds the relationship with Eric Carlson. Like, I, I, again, this is something, a topic we've talked about a couple times. Like, I think it's more likely than not that Carlson stays because he, he appears to love the city and he probably loves a lot of his teammates. And I think just the fact that Ottawa can give him that eighth year and they, they, have, a, they have the space to, get, to, to give him a, a, a sizable contract, I, I think they can make it work. But a lot of this is going to be how do we repair a relationship? I mean, you look around the league and you've got, you know, Alfredson's left twice. Kyle Turris was <laughs> doubled down on the comments he made about whether or not the team actually wanted him around. You've got executives leaving left and right. And it, like this, this sort of stuff, whether it's material or not to a fan, it, it starts to compound. And you, you would guess that it has a negative perception on a player's view of his own team. Uh, and, and that's the sort of stuff that the organization needs to clean up and get in front of. You know, they, they, they issue a press release yesterday that they're, make a big commitment to scouting and development and getting back to their bread and butter. And I, th- I think that makes all the sense in the world. But, I mean, actions are bigger than words. You've got to kind of invest in that sort of stuff to, to get the train back on the tracks. Uh, so, again, I, I, I think Pierre can, can rebuild the relationship. I think he can be the guy that brings Eric Carlson back for sure. Um, I, I just think there, is a lot of, there are a lot of other balls in the air that Ottawa needs to ground and, and, and get this thing figured out before Carlson's going to sign that contract. And last one for you here, Travis. Now, you touched on the Boston Bruins a little bit, but we saw uh, Joe Haggerty's list of potential free agents on the TSN.ca countdown to the trade deadline. Names including the likes of Vander Kane, Vanek, McDonough. Uh, the Bruins roster as it stands now, assuming that they, they come back down, even out a little bit, are they true cup contenders or just a good team that may be able to make some noise? Oh, I, I think they're cup contenders. I mean, they, they have now shown over 40 games. They are pummeling teams. I think they are, in the last 30 or 40 games, top two, top three, in scoring chance differential, shot differential, goal differential, whatever you, whatever you like. Uh, they're they're <laughs> they got it. at the top of the list. They're, they're in that cluster with, with Tampa Bay and Vegas and Winnipeg. And uh, I, I, the one, I guess the one, more to your question, the one who I would like to see – this has been an issue with Boston for a couple of years, and it was much more pronounced previously. I think they've been better this year. I would like to see them add one or one or two more depth forwards to their lineup. Uh, what killed them last year was whenever Bergeron came off the ice, Boston would just get clocked. I mean, it wasn't even competitive. But the problem, you know, Boston always remained competitive because Bergeron would play forty percent of the game. Uh, they, they've they've made strides there. Um, one of the big things is actually not on the forward side. Charlie McAvoy has been 
sensational in the games he's played this year. Um, the defense has been better than expected. I, I just think if they could add one or two more forwards, create a really powerful third line behind that Bergeron line to kind of alleviate some of the burden, uh, I think those are the sort of moves you'll make. I don't think there'll be a big buyer in the you know Rick Nash sweepstakes per right. se, but uh, maybe a lesser forward that won't won't have a, a large uh, potential acquisition cost. I think could make sense for them. Be interesting to follow, Travis. Thank you so much, sir. We'll do it again next week. All right, take care, Andy. All right, Travis Yost. Get all his great work, tsn.ca, and a fun follow on Twitter as well, at Travis Yost. Take the break. On the other side, Gus Katsaros, McKean's Hockey Director of Analytics and Pro Scouting, coming up next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Sent back to the blue line, and Dermott with a shot right on. Kapanen scores! I think... Kapanen got a couple of whacks at it. It hit the goal post first, and as it lay in the blue paint, it was Kapanen who jammed it home. Joe Bowen with a Kapanen goal. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto. Across the TSN Radio Network, I'm Andy McNamara. Follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud, TSN1050.ca show page. And, of course, you can listen along, too, on the iHeartRadio app. Still to come in the show, some NHL fantasy talk with James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com. Also, Heroes and Zeros with Scott Cullen and TSN.ca. Right now, though, let's go to friend of show. Been a little while, but welcome back to Gus Katsaros, McKean's Hockey Director of Analytics and Pro Scouting. Gus, how's it going, man? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me back on. No problem. So, listen, let's start locally with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, on MapleLeafsHotStove.com, you profile Kasperi Kapanen's emergence this season. Now, he's played well in limited NHL action this year. Two goals, three points in his last five. What role, if any, do you expect him to play on the Leafs' offensive arrangement down the stretch and into the playoffs? Well, I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty clear that he's... Um, an obvious part of uh, of the depth of the roster, and 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 I'm sure that just because of the the way that he's performed and and the expectation level is probably that he moves up and plays a more prominent role as a scorer. I'm not sure that I follow that. I think that um, he's one of those players where I I, I have a, a a bit of a polarizing opinion on. I feel that while he's skilled and he displays that skill fairly often and fairly regularly. Um, I feel that there's a little bit of a, a, a lack of creativity or imagination. He plays in a way that um, highlights his skill level, but it doesn't necessarily lead to a lot of creative or imaginative plays. Um, he might be a bit of an outside player, um, and I feel that this year he's really taken the, in, the steps to become more of an inside guy, so he's using a bit more of an outside speed to try to get into those inside high-danger scoring areas. Um, and at the same time, the other thing that I feel that he's really improved on is actually getting to those net front areas without the puck. Um, you know, the, the highlight that you, you played at the top of uh, this segment uh, really outlines that he scored goals by just being in that net front presence. Mm-hmm. So if players are able to get pucks to that area and he's there and ready to take advantage of rebounds or tips or whatever the case is, he's definitely going to find a lot more scoring success. But I feel that he's a player that requires a little bit of support. He can't necessarily do things all on his own. Um, and if, as long as he has some type of support, I think that he'll actually be a very productive player for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now, how do you think he will affect the future of the likes of uh, Nikita Sh- uh, Sashnikov or Josh Levo? 
Well, you know, here's the thing. We're looking at rosters now, especially lower rosters. It's no longer a top six, bottom six. It's not even a top nine, bottom three. There's there's an element of skill that you want to inject into every single situation. So while Sashnikov provides a a good workmanlike and, and uh, kind of like a plugger's uh, regimen with, where the little bit of skill, I think the captain provides a much more speedier outlet um, he could provide the same type of depth and, and the same type of workmanlike efforts that Shoshnikov can provide, but he provides a much more skilled level that, that you would probably want injected into your lineup, less than just a specific workmanlike and compete and, and all those really cool key phrases that, that they've used way back in the day. Mm-hmm. You need to have skill on all four lines now in Kapanen, even if he is on the fourth line and can provide a dangerous element, good luck to the other teams trying to match up fourth lines with him. Sure. And, and now you also dove into the Leafs, a possible first-round playoff uh, opponents here, uh, wondering which would be the preferred opponent. Is it the Lightning? Is it the Bruins in the first round of the postseason? If you're a Leaf fan, who would you prefer to see? Because it's, it's tough. Tampa and Boston are lighting it up right now. Yeah, it's interesting. I think that just because of the, the performance of the Bruins, especially lately, um, it, there's a little bit more of a, a, a chatter as to maybe they the Leafs would want to face the Tampa Bay Lightning rather than the Bruins in the first round. So on that particular note, it's nice that Boston's putting a good run together. Tampa Bay's my expectations were that they would actually be one of the top teams in the conference, so that's not necessarily anything new. Um, but the regular season is a regular season. It's not the playoffs. You play a different opponent on any given night, barring being a home-and-home. Home. So the preparation for each game is very different. The rosters for each game are very different. When you start getting into the playoffs and you have a dedicated opponent with specific lines and lots and lots of video that you can pour over to look for little breaks into what I call breaking the system. To take advantage and really be uh, be able to, to beat a playoff opponent, you need to be able to break their systems and take advantage of your own. Um, if you have that focused, and especially with the sophistication of video these days, I feel that Boston is a, a an easier opponent. Hmm. If you really want to use the word easier, I mean, it is a playoff. <laughs> In comparison, yeah. You know, but in comparison to the Lightning, who have a fantastic roster, a blue line that's to die for, excellent goaltending, um, and depth up front where they can kind of score with three lines and potentially four, I don't find that to be the same level on in Boston. It's nice to see Patrice Bergeron and Marchand and, and their goals against and, and, and that defensive element that they bring, but I don't find the danger in the depth roster um, that the Lightning had. So for all the chatter of the least maybe one in the face Tampa Bay just because of Boston's nice little run here, um, I say that it's probably better that the least face Boston rather than the Lightning. Gus says, bring on the Bruins. In conversation with Gus Katsaros, McKean's Hockey Director of Analytics and Pro Scouting on Twitter, at Cats Hockey, Cats with a K. All right, Gus, uh, do you buy into any of the the Vesna trophy buzz with Leafs goaltender Frederick Anderson that he's received this week? Is he just going through a stretch of very good play, or is he actually working his way into the conversation of being one of the best goalies in the entire league? You know, it's interesting because when you kind of look at where the Leafs are, um, even when you kind of go through expected goals models and all that, um, it shows that if it wasn't for Frederick Anderson, they probably wouldn't have the same point totals as they do. Not just that, they wouldn't be able to play the type of game that they've been able to play. So he's enabling the Leafs to go out and score lots of goals and be fun offensively while 
okay, guys, I got the fort back here. Go do what you got to do, and I'll do what I got to do. So, um, you know, I really should qualify all of this. Goaltending is really not my forte. It's one of those those. You know, it's like an enigma to me. I, I, <laughs> I, I can't differentiate what really makes a good goaltender versus a bad goaltender. But when you look at the, the effect of confidence, and, and I know that it's a psychological thing, it's non-tangible, but an element like Frederick Anderson in net inspires me to say, okay, I'm happy with what I have there to the degree that we can take more risks up front. So while, while statistically and, and, and even visually he's putting together um, – a season where he should be involved in the Vezina conversation. Yeah, you know, I'm not really sure. Is it just his specific performance, or is it a combination of him mm. and, the, and, the, and, and the team around him? Um, there's probably a lot of different elements that should go into that particular answer. Um, it's best you get an actual goaltending expert to maybe qualify <laughs> that. I think we will in the coming weeks here on TSN Hockey Analytics. Gus, I want to wrap up with you here um, on the 2018 NHL entry draft. Nat McKean's, you guys do a great job a lot of great work getting people prepared for the next wave of talent coming into the nhl so let's start at the very top rasmus dalin he's received high praise from almost everyone who's talked about him watched his tape as uh, him being capable of being a rare defensive talent who can alter the course of a franchise where are you at right now with dalin as a prospect coming out yeah, it's interesting. You see, that, um, players are making a much bigger impact at a younger age, and and you know it's really rare to see a, a defenseman going that high and potentially first overall. Aaron Ekblad is probably the uh, the most recent, but he's not Aaron Ekblad. He's a very different type of player. Um, the defensive position itself is changing. I think that we're looking at less about rushing defensemen and players that can move and play the outlets and really be effective in that first three or four feet in the offensive zone. And that's what Darlene is. So he has the components, which I feel are really more important in today's game for a defensive position, being more of a rover, hitting the line, supporting the rush, being good at the top of the zone, to the degree that he can step into the lineup. And, I mean, he's not Eric Carlson or P.K. Subban or somebody that's going to just immediately, you know, uh, get into the NHL and, and have such a high impact. He might take a little bit of time to get to that specific level. But, man, that talent alone. Yeah. And the degree that he's able to play today's game is just, uh, it's too good to pass up for any GM. He could potentially be uh, not just a Calder trophy um, or involved in a Calder uh, conversation next year. He could be involved in the Norris if you really, really want to push it to the degree of, you know, just his age and where he's able to fit into an NHL roster at such a young age. Well, Gus, let's have you on closer to the end of the regular season, and we'll dip back into all these prospects heading into the draft. That sounds great. Thanks for having me on today. All right, buddy. Gus uh, Ketseros, McKean's Hockey, Director of Analytics and Pro Scouting. Follow him on Twitter, at CatsHockey. Need some help with your NHL fantasy team, your league, some daily play? Got you covered. James Harding, our fantasy expert from DraftKings and NHL.com, joins me next here on TSN Hockey Analytics. Radulov down the left wing. Hawks don't put it in front. They score. And moving down the far side was Tyler Sagan to beside the post. And he snapped it into the top shelf past Forsberg. The Stars have tied the score at one. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. I'm Andy McNamara. You can get us on Twitter 
at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81 on iTunes, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, TSN1050.ca show page. You miss any episodes or want to go back and listen, you got it all there. And we also send out the links via Twitter. Okay, every week I got you guys covered for your NHL fantasy questions. We get it a lot on Twitter at TSN Analytics. Tips. And I got the guy. I got the guy for you. James Harding from DraftKings and NHL.com, our NHL fantasy expert. James, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. I'm feeling very Olympic today, Andy. I don't know why. <laughs> well, there's a lot of Olympics going on. Uh, yeah, not- how, about, how about that first-round matchup for, for Canada for the women's against Russia? I mean, right out of the gate, really? That's, that, <laughs> that's going to be a tough one right there. It's going to be a lot of fun. But, hey, you know what? It's not going to be NHLers, and that doesn't it's- disrupt the fantasy schedule, right? They, uh, people can the- keep rolling as, as usual. As usual, yeah, I know. It's uh, it's disappointing, but at the same time, it's not because then we get to talk about it for exactly. the next two weeks. So, hey, yeah, exactly. no, it's, it's great. All right, well, hey, man, you know what? Uh, let's start with our stock up, stock down. Let's get to it. Stock up. Stock down. Okay, James, so your two stock up fantasy players to watch. Yeah, number one, heading down to uh, South Florida, and uh, we we still need to think about if we're ever, if we're ever going to move the show down to Tampa Bay or yes, not. Yes, I, I do agree if, with you. Yes, <laughs> if we do, we could go see this guy down there, and that's Yanni Gord, uh, fifty two hundred dollars right now in DraftKings. So he's a really solid uh, value player. Um, Ten points, six goals, four assists, three power play points, and eighteen shots on goal in his past eight games. He has a four game point streak right now. That has seen him put up seven of those ten points. He has back-to-back multi-point games, and he has scored a goal in three consecutive games. He's been moved up to their first line with Steven Stamkos and Tyler Johnson and is skating with Johnson on their second power play unit right now. So for the money and the production, with his exposure to their top six, to a player like Stamkos and Johnson at even strength and on the power play, I really like where Gord is right now. And then my second stock up for the Islanders, Brock Nelson, coming off a hat-trick last night in that crazy 7-6 overtime game. Scored the game winner in overtime off an absolute beautiful pass by Matt Barzell. He was able to handle and, and put that one in. Four goals, three assists, and seven shots on goal. He has a four game point streak right now. He's skating at even strength mostly with Andrew Ladd and Cal Clutterbuck on their third line. And he's with Ladd, Anthony Beauvillier, Jordan Everly, and Ryan Pollock on the Islanders' second power play unit. Uh, 14 goals and 10 assists in 56 games this season. But he saw two of his three goals on Friday with Barzell, and they skated together early in the season. So it's very possible with the kind of Islanders' middle six in flux that he could find some time skating on the line soon if this production continues with Barzell and mm. potentially Jordan Everly on the Islanders' second line because he was on that line earlier on this season before he got dropped down to the third line. He's a streaky player, but when he gets hot, he gets really hot. So I, I could see maybe something right there. and He's a very good value pick right now. Well, and that's a great point there, James, because if it's daily, you want to try to ride those hot streaks in for leagues. If you have a little bit of depth or some bench room, you know, stash them or, or acquire them, whatever the case might be. So those are two stock up. Stock down, who am I staying away from in the fantasy world? Can, can I pick an entire team, maybe oh. the Columbus Blue Jackets? Oh, 
Oh my! Um, All right. Yeah, well, well, you know, five, <laughs> five in a row. But we'll get to those. We'll get to them a little bit more in depth in a few minutes. But um, Seth Jones right now, uh, one point in his past four games, uh, two points in their five-game losing streak. He's getting solid category coverage. He has 21 shots on goal and seven blocks in that span. The reason I'm down on him is his price tag, uh, $5,900 in DraftKings right now. And when you look at especially tonight, some other players who are in and around that same price range, Victor Hedman, Shane Gostisbehere, Eric Carlson, Tory Krug, Drew Doughty. I just don't see the production there for him to spend $5,900 in the DraftKings lineup to go up and get him when in the same price range there are better options. Nice. And then my second is another defenseman, Duncan Keith. Uh, $4,600 in DraftKings, so again, about 1300 less than Seth Jones, but three assists in his past 11 games, and all three of those assists have come in two games, so pointless in nine of his last 11. Uh, he's pointless in three straight right now. He has no goals at all this season, 25 assists, and again, when you look at the price tag of 4600 and you look at other players around him, Mark Edward Vlasic, Oscar Kleffbaum, Alec Martinez, Oliver ekman Larson, Charlie McAvoy in DraftKings contests. There's better production elsewhere in that same price range. In conversation with James Harding, our NHL fantasy expert from DraftKings and NHL.com on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey. That was stuck up, stuck down. Okay, James, now this is an interesting article on NHL.com, and it's about schedule ease or difficulty for fantasy players down the stretch. So can you tell us a a few players to target on teams that have favorable schedules? And that can be for league play or, of course, daily on DraftKings. Yeah, yeah, there was a a great job over there by uh, Rob Reese and Pete Jensen, uh, my my editors from NHL.com, who who put this together a couple of weeks ago. And they, they really took, you know, player or teams that are out of playoff contention, who they call non-contenders, and they match their schedules against teams in playoff contention to kind of put together a strength of schedule for the remaining games of the season. So we head out west, the Anaheim Ducks, most favorable schedule among Western Conference teams in the back end of the season with 12 of their final 32 games against non-contenders. So you look at players like Ricard Raquel, with 14 points in his last 30 days. Ryan Getzloff, Corey Perry, whose value has been dipping and rising as of late. So he's a guy who you could target in either season-long or DFS categories. Uh, So those are three players there. You look at a team like Nashville. They have the most favorable schedule for Central Division teams. They have six remaining back-to-back sets over the last part of the season, making a player like UC Soros a great target for season-long leagues as a spot start or in DraftKings for daily lineups. The Toronto Maple Leafs, 18 of their final 31 home uh, games are at home where they're 16-8-2 this season and averaging more than three goals per game. So that helps guys. Uh, you know, Jake Gardner's been playing very sure. well lately. Nylander's been playing very well lately. Hyman's been playing very well lately. And, of course, you have exposure to Austin Matthews up there. So, you know, that team... Very, very skilled at home. Uh, Edmonton plays 17 of their final 33 games against division opponents. McDavid and Dreisaitl have combined for 61 points against Western Conference teams this season. 
and uh, 27 points against their division. And then you look at, you know, the Lightning, 14 of their final 20 games are at home and 14 of their final 33 games are against non-contending teams. So teams that are in the playoff race right now have very, very favorable fantasy schedules down the stretch. And again, I mentioned a stock up, stock down option in Yanni Gord on the Lightning having a very, very favorable schedule and being a value player that not a lot of people are targeting right now. So, you know, these are trends that fantasy owners really haven't probably been thinking about lately that they should really start looking into saying, hey, I wonder who these guys are going to be playing at the the meat of the season when I'm going to be in my fantasy playoff race. Interesting. Great stuff, James. And, of course, people can check you out on Twitter at jharding underscore hockey and uh, play hey, what, one example of a DraftKings contest, that Pick'em style, the 3K Sniper contest. You can go to that um, at DraftKings.com and the Pick'em one. Different, of course, from the salary cap where you pick in each group, eight groups, the top player for that day. So you can go play tonight and tomorrow all weekend. And if you want any advice, James, you got them covered on Twitter, right? Always, buddy. Just send them my way. Beauty. At Jay Harding underscore hockey. All right, James, we'll do it again next week. Sounds great. I'll talk to you then, buddy. All right. Thanks, man. That is James Harding, DraftKings and NHL.com, NHL fantasy expert. We'll take the break, wrap up the program with heroes and zeros from TSN.ca's Scott Cullen. A lot more coming up on TSN Hockey Analytics. Throw in the center circle. Stickhandles across the line. Finds Monahan in deep and he rings one off the post. Shot score! Monahan from the goal line puts it home and it's 3 to 1. Back to wrap up another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. I'm Andy McNamara. You're listening on TSN 1050 Toronto across the TSN radio network. Subscribe and rate us on iTunes, SoundCloud iHeartRadio up, tsn1050.ca show page. You can get us all over, and of course we tweet out the links on Twitter, at TSN Analytics, at AndyMC81. Let's wrap up the program as we usually do. Scott Cullen from tsn.ca. Scotty, welcome. How's it going? Great. How are you doing today, Andy? I am doing well. Let's hit everybody's favorite theme song. It's time for the best and worst of the NHL this week. Hockey Analytics, Heroes and Zeros. With Scott Cullen and Andy McNamara. Oh, Grammy-worthy there, Scotty. <laughs> yes, award-winning <laughs> intro. All right, let's start off the heroes. We go to Toronto. Jake Gardner, a hero. A little, little local content, yeah. Andy. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Gardner here has, has 13 assists in the past 10 games. And what's interesting, uh, at least to me, is that uh, in that time, his, his course is around 46%, which you would say, well, that's not, that's not that good. Uh, at the same time, he's getting about 52% of the scoring chances uh, when he's on the ice. And so uh, in, a, in a short spurt here, uh, it seems that he's winning the shot quality battle. That uh, you know, he, He's creating better chances uh, for the Maple Leafs when he's out on the ice and uh, obviously has the point production to, uh, to back it up. So uh, I, I, there's been quite a bit of praise, I think, for Jake Gardner lately. Uh, certainly when Morgan Riley was out, Gardner had to do a lot of heavy lifting on, on the Maple Leafs blue line. But uh, what, what's interesting to me is that you have so many people who think, well, you know, what, what has come, uh, overcome Jake Gardner? Why has he become this, this really good defenseman? Well, you know, those of us who are, are stat heads will be telling you that Jake Gardner has been a really good defenseman for, for quite a while now. And, um, it just so happens that uh, you know, I think he's getting more notice for it. All right, so that was the first hero. The second hero, a 20-year-old centerman from Philly. That's right, uh, Travis Konechny. Uh, you know, they, uh, the Flyers 
when they opened the season, had uh, Claude Giroux, uh, Jacob Voracek, and Sean Couturier as the number one line. They were awesome. Uh, but but at some point, the Flyers decided they needed to diversify their attack a little bit. And, and so they moved Konechny onto that line, uh, moving Voracek down to another line, basically with the understanding that, that Voracek can can drive play uh, uh, in a number of different spots. And so they, they moved Konechny uh, onto the top line. And uh, in the eight, past 18 games, Konechny has nine goals, eight assists, 17 points, 52% Corsi, and 55% of the scoring chances. This is, um, you know, he's getting a really good opportunity to play with Giroux and Couturier, uh, but he's taking advantage of it and, and producing. And, you know, to, for the Flyers to get this kind of production out of a second-year uh, player, I think that's really encouraging that, um, you know, he, he had shown some signs as a rookie last year, but I think, uh, you know, if he, if he can step into this big role and produce like this, um, that kind of bodes well for what his uh, long-term future could be for the Flyers. All right, so those were the heroes. Now the zeros were off to Ottawa. Derek Broussard, no good this week. Yeah, and, <laughs> and I, I, I file this under the uh, I miss you, Mark Stone. Uh, you know, <laughs> yes. Mark Stone's been out for a while now. I think he's, I think he's coming. I think Mark Stone's coming back. But Broussard, uh, in his past ten games, has one goal, no assists, thirty-six percent Corsi, forty-one percent of the scoring chances. These are, you know, highly irregular numbers for Broussard, who, um, you know, last season went didn't have great point production, but had really solid possession numbers uh, along the way. So you you would kind of expect that. And even earlier this season, he had kind of bounced back and seemed to be on the right track. But Mark Stone gets injured, and uh, all of a sudden, every, everything goes uh, off the rails. And so I, I think for any of the uh, centermen in Ottawa who are lucky enough to have somebody as solid and reliable and probably underrated as Mark Stone playing with them, uh, they appreciate the results when he's back. And final zero, Brandon Saad of the Blackhawks. Yeah, and, you know, the Blackhawks had... The big expectations when they brought Brandon Saad back in the trade for Artemi Panarin. Yeah. Uh, he's really hit a rough spot right now. He has one assist in the past 12 games. His, his possession numbers are fine. Uh, 59% course, he's actually quite good over over that dozen games. But, you know, we're talking one assist. He got demoted to the fourth line. Um, and the Blackhawks, they, they don't have... Um, you know, enough options uh, offensively that they can afford to have a $6 million forward who's not scoring for them. You know, they, they, they need Saad to produce, and, and if he doesn't, well, they're going to have a hard time making up uh, the deficit they have as they're trying to get back into the playoff picture. All right, so that was Heroes and Zeros in conversation with Scott Cullen from tsn.ca on Twitter, at TSN Scott Cullen, and you can find all his fine work right there on tsn.ca Monday to Friday. Okay, Scotty, let's go to Snapshot and the rankings of teams. Now, we have a couple of risers in the Atlantic. Top spot from 3-1, to one, the Boston Bruins, and Tampa Bay, 4 up to 2. Those are both potential Maple Leaf playoff matchups, and boy, they're looking real good. Yeah, they are. <laughs> good, good luck to Toronto. And, yeah. and look, like the, and the thing is, like Maple Leafs, they, they moved up this week too. But, but it's uh, yeah, it's uh, a murderer's row there with, mm-hmm. with Boston and Tampa Bay. Like Boston, I moved them down to three a few weeks back, and, and effectively, this was uh, you know the Charlie McAvoy had had that heart procedure, and Brad Marchand was suspended, and I, I kind of acknowledged at the time, like, look, the Bruins went healthy are, are my number one team. I think they've been um, they've been just outstanding, um, but. You know, with a few guys out of the lineup, a few important guys out of the lineup, I, I knocked them down. But now Marchand's back from his suspension, um, and and 
McAvoy is back from uh, from that heart procedure, and you know, and everything is, you know, this is a team that has one regulation loss in the last 21 games, um, and like, like I think the, the line of uh, Marchand, Bergeron, and, and David Pasternak is, is probably the best line in the league this year. Um, you know, they control better than 60% of the play. Uh, Marchand and, and Bergeron are scoring um, at you know really high rates. Like, like I think. You know, year after year, we we hand the the Selkie Trophy to Patrice Bergeron because he's uh, such an outstanding two way player. Uh, I think there's a half decent shot that this year he's going to be in the uh, in the MVP consideration. Which, um, you know, for those for those of us who are into analytics and have been singing the praises of Patrice Bergeron for a long hmm. time, uh, I would say that that's uh, you know not overdue because uh, I, I don't think he's exactly been robbed, but I think his uh, his point production is probably going to gain him. Um, you know, more widespread acclaim this year uh, than in years past. And then when it comes to Tampa Bay, um, they're another team that was moved down a little bit because of injuries. You know, Victor Hedman was out for about three weeks, and uh, they're still missing Andre Palat. But they they have enough depth up front that I think they're they're probably going to uh, be able to handle that. Uh, but I you know, like the, the the Lightning were number one for you know months earlier in the year where they were just kind of steamrolling everybody, and then they went through a bit of a lull. Um, then had some of those injuries, and so they they kind of dipped down a little bit in the rankings. But uh, I think they're they're making their way back up. Yeah, it'll be uh, interesting to follow as we approach the trade deadline. Scotty, thank you so much as always. Uh, we'll do it again next week. Awesome, thank you, Andy. All right, thank you at TSN Scott Cullen on Twitter. A must follow and check out his fine work on TSN.ca Monday to Friday. It is Scott Cullen. So that'll wrap it up for another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics. Again, make sure to follow us on Twitter at TSN Analytics at AndyMC81. So for producer Sean Lavery, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics across the TSN radio network.